Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. What's up, family? Man, the summer is like flying by, right? It was August like tomorrow. <laughs> it's crazy, right? right? Rewind that back. You know, we, it's going to be snowing in a minute. But like I need, I need, right, 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 right. It's a curse word up in this joint. It's a curse word, right? <laughs> Man, let us uh, continue to enjoy the summertime. I mean, um, in whatever way you can, you know, just being outside and doing stuff outside. Uh, but my jam, though, I mean, the whole Kendrick Lamar album, to me, the whole Kendrick Lamar album is just his own study in and of itself, you know? Great insight, just jams in there, you know, just, and, 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 and some videos that have been incredible with that as well. So, but then all, you always got the classic, though. Some, some things are always summer jam. Will Smith Summertime? What? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the jam, that's the jam. Summer, summer, I mean, that's the jam. And if you grew up in the hood, you know some of the stuff he's talking about, like getting your shoes ready to go out to the, to the circle. In some spots in the hood, there's a little circle, and everybody gathers at the circle. You see the new car. Look at that car. There it is, Johnny. Hey, Johnny. You're eating some rib, but it's just, ah, that's an all-time classic summer jam right there, right there, Will Smith. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the fact that you were crazy in love with us, not because we did something. Not because we're all that, but because you are all that, God. And your love for us overwhelms us to the degree, God, that we, we cannot not hold it in. And in so doing, God, we fall in love with you and we fall in love with everyone around us, God, that we can be that salt and light as you've been that salt and light in our lives. God, we ask now, God, open our hearts and minds that we would hear what you're teaching us today, that we would then act on it and live on it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Scott O'Grady was a Air Force pilot, and he was flying a plane over enemy territory, and his plane got shot down, like cut in half, and he hits the eject button, and he's out in the, in the sky, whatever that means, as you hit the eject button, and he pulls the, the, the ripcord on his parachute, and he's recognizing as it's pitch black dark that he's in enemy territory. And as he's coming down, he's recognizing, I gotta get out of this parachute fast, and he gets down, cuts loose from the parachute, and he finds a spot because he hears people kind of looking for wherever that plane landed, trying to, hear, trying to find the pilot. Um, and he dives into an area, makes a hole for his face and kind of covers up his hands inside. And he stays in this little pit area for like five hours, just kind of taking his mouth out to breathe every once in a while. Five hours until he could not hear any more movement of any particular enemies. And then he began to inch his way away. Day one. Day two, he's still trapped around this enemy camp. And he's moving further and further away. He has a little radio, and he gets to a spot like higher ground where he thinks, thinks like nobody's around. And he's trying to signal. And on that third day, he gets somebody, somebody who's flying a plane in that area, kind of looking for him. But this person on the plane, in the plane was his friend, who was also like a roommate of his while they were in tech school and basic training, and recognized his voice, even though the signal was real faint. That's my man, Scott. We know where he's at. He takes the plane, flies back to base, and then they rally the troops. Now, this is four days. No food, a little water from the rain. He's suffering. He got burnt a little bit from the ejection of the plane, and now he is needing some help, wanting to not get captured by the enemy. The fourth day, here comes everybody. 
They bring in the helicopters. They bring in the planes. They bring in the troops. And they say, when this flare goes up in this area, that's where you run to because we believe you're in this spot. And then we will get you back to safety. They get there. The plane lands. The flare goes up. He sees it and he goes out. And then here come the guys all around him, surrounding him to get him back safely to the helicopter. Gets back to base safe. Everybody's back safe. Everything worked out well. Amazing rescue. But what's really dope about this whole situation, really interesting about this whole situation, is that it cost the military $6 billion to get one man out of harm's way. $6 billion, man. Are y'all just dealing billions every day? $6 billion, man. <laughs> billion. Like, I'm tripping. Somebody want $20. You want $20? Man, you need $20? About $10. Gas is like $75 a gallon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> To get one man, and it wasn't because the man was going to be the president of the United States, we're going to cure cancer. It was just a regular, not a regular, but he was a pilot and he was a part of the military arm. Six billion dollars. Now, what is crazy to me is that they came for Scott because he's a part of their community. This is our boy. He's a part of us. We came for Scott because it's more at risk if we don't come for Scott than it is if we leave him out there. More at risk if we don't come for him came for Scott because they recognized that they could be in the enemy's camp as well. Recognize the fact that they could be in that same situation, but being in that same situation knowing that my boys is coming, my women are coming, they are coming after me. Man, I wish and desire. What if, what if our world looked like that? What if somebody came after you this week because you were just discouraged? What if somebody came after you? They didn't spend $6 billion, though, but they came after you knowing what's going on with you or what's happening. They, hey, you okay? You good? You need to go out to eat? You, you, you get some gas? You need to talk? What if we lived in a world that that was normal, that that was regular, everyday movement? What if that was what we experience every single day? Scriptures teach in Galatians chapter 5. It says... You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Galatians chapter 6, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We must embrace us together, we over me. In a life where it's all about what I can get and how I can make things happen, when we live this way as followers of Christ, as Scripture teaches, we begin to be that salt and light of who Christ really is. Wait a minute, they came and got you? Wait a minute, they did this? Wait a minute, they're directing you? I mean, the reality of living in that space brings hope. I mean, the man is caught in the wilderness for four days, but he knew his people were coming. We belong to a community of people who, uh, first of all, our human community, right? Our humanity. Then our commitment to Christ community that says we are wanting to be the salt and light to us and to everyone else. And in that community, are we committed to go after each other? You know, the Hopi uh, nation uh, uh, was asked one time to take an IQ test. They had just discovered the IQ test or whatever, and they were doing it and all over the place, all over the country, men and women, different ethnic groups, and they grabbed the Hopi in, and natives, and they said, hey, will you take this test? And they broke down the whole thing. It's going to be three hours. You've got to sit here. I want you to do this and do that and everything. They broke it all the way down to them. 
when they said, okay, now uh, you can start the test. Well, two seconds into the test, they're like, so what do you think this answer is? What do you mean? What do you think this means? Hey, hey, come here. You understand this man? And the man said, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. This is a test you know, you, you got to do on your own. This is the test you do on, on your own. They're like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You don't understand. You don't understand. It don't matter if she's smarter than me or if I'm smarter than her. It's about all of us getting there together. It's about all of us winning. All of us being kept, taken from captivity into freedom in Christ. It is about all of us moving, not one higher than the other. What if we lived in a world that way? What if that was what Christ expects us to live in a world that way? What if that was normalized? That was we over me. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, we're going to look at some cats who I believe embody that we over me through what I call the fellowship of the mat. And in Mark chapter 2, you find verses 1 through 4a. 4a, we're going to look at part of a verse. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that no one, there was no room, there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was Preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Now watch this. He's at the crib teaching. The home that was probably, uh, that he taught in kind of looked like this. Looked looked like this kind of house, right? So you see this kind of crib, stairs on the side. It's packed. It's packed inside and outside. Now in chapter 1, verse um, 18, it talks about Christ says, we must go to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. But in this first few verses right here, he's, t- he's, he's back home. So everybody knew Jesus. I mean, just imagine growing up with Jesus, right? He played kickball. You know what I'm saying? Just, and he knew all the people. Everybody knew, yeah, he's at the barbecue. Don't let Jesus cook. He'd be burning everything, right? So everybody knew everybody, like you would know different folks, right? So they knew he's coming back home. Yo, he's going to be at the... And they believed that this was perhaps... Peter's mama's house. So they believe that he was at Peter's mama's house. Oh, he's going to be over at Geraldine's house. What time? Two o'clock? I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. Just, just embrace the humanity of all of that, right? As we're in this together. Oh, hey, Geraldine, she has some that Kool-Aid, man. She'd be making that Kool-Aid, man. I'm making that Kool-Aid. So they are all coming over to Geraldine's house to hear Jesus teach. And he's teaching. And everybody's in the crib packed. They're packed in this crib. They were hungry for God's word. Now, pastors, we love a packed church, a packed service, right? We love that, especially around COVID or, you know, post-COVID. We want people to come back and come back together. And we want to be in connection with everybody, right? So this was an ideal situation for a preacher or a rabbi or anyone to be able to share what God's led them to share and to teach and to bring forth the God's love in, in, in a powerful way. But what's interesting is that Four men trying to bring their boy who paralyzed into a room full of packed people listening to Jesus who would not let him in. So I got to ask myself, do I really want packed people listening or do I want packed doers? Yeah, it went over here. Okay, so, so, so I want you to listen, but I want you to apply and do this. How many of you, if you saw somebody with a disability, would just be like, you better, open, you better learn to figure out how to open that door? I ain't gonna open the door for you. How you doing out there? Open the door yourself. No, you would not do that. 
Uh, y'all still quiet? Maybe y'all do. Maybe this is different. Maybe y'all need to listen to it. I don't know what's it. We typically give extra grace for those who have a different uh, way of their walking or this, di- different disabilities. We open the door, let them go through. These cats are like, nah, uh-uh, I ain't finna do nothing. Uh-uh, uh-uh I'm listening to Jesus. <laughs> I want to hear what God's word got to say. And I began to think about why weren't they open to letting these four men come through? I mean, we want a packed house, we want to preach, but we would much rather have doers of the word than just the hearers. I started thinking about this, right? Culturally, it wasn't until the 90s, even in America, where people evaluated, valued uh, the, the, the need for access for people with disabilities, right? Elevators, people were suing companies because they didn't have elevators, and people were honoring those suits because they needed access, right? It was so, so you look at that in the 90s in America, shoot, you imagine the, how, how before all of that, how, how disrespectful people were with people with disabilities? So one, culturally, they may have said, oh, <laughs> Uh uh-uh, uh, no, y'all got the, the, the swag or the attitude they may have had with people with disabilities. The other part, right, is that they had an attitude because they probably, again, this is a neighborhood everybody knew everybody in. They probably knew, dude. I saw you when I was walking to uh, 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 Esther's house to hear Jesus. You could have got up with your boys right then and got there before me. But no, y'all want to be all super late. I, you, yeah, you bumming for some money. You should have bummed your butt to the house. Just, a, just think of the human kind of conversations people might have had. Here he is. They walk him out. Yeah, I'm finna go. Y'all gonna go? Y'all gonna stay right here. See, y'all gonna be late. All of a sudden, all of the attitude that came with all of that, right? Or perhaps maybe they were overly filled with what I call churchianity. Just churchianity. It's, it's all about the, 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 the look. It's all about the, the churchianity. No, no Christ. No Christian. No Christ in it. No followers of Christ. No examples. No salt and light. Just churchy. I'm just here. I'm, 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 I'm right because I'm with him in this space listening. But I ain't applying nothing. The irony of that. Here these guys come. No telling where they had to come from, right? It was four of them carrying a guy on a mat. Now, I don't know about you, but me, I could carry on one side. Somebody could carry on the other side. But if he was just a little, little overweight, just a little, just a little, I mean, I'm, I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need just a little bit heavy set, just a little bit. Oh, you got that side? Because, dude, I'm telling you, man, you be eating them Funyuns, man. What are you doing, right? We walking with you. So it's four people carrying this cat. And they couldn't get through, and they couldn't get through. You see, I believe the people were just as paralyzed as the man on the mat. But they couldn't recognize it. The man captured by the enemies, about to be captured, recognized, I'm on the mat. The men save it and recognize, I'm on the mat with you. It's the fellowship of the mat. It was a reality that I am just as lost as you are if I'm not close to Christ. I got a best friend. My best friend got muscular dystrophy. We grew up together. Best man in my wedding, roommate in college. Uh, uh, we met at a muscular dystrophy camp where I served and volunteered for years. We just, best friend, I, I performed his wedding. So I know what it's like to carry a person with a disability on your back. I know what it's like to fall with them on your back and you're okay, but they're not. But I know what all that means. That's a whole nother story, a whole nother day. But the reality is there was a reality, there's a relationship that I recognize, even knowing my friend that I am on the mat like he's on the mat. That's the commonality that gives us and should break our hearts to say, I'm here to serve one another. But those people in the house didn't recognize that they were on the mat as well. And they wouldn't let them in. And the church is famous for not letting people in. I'm talking about 
billboards and signs and newspaper articles, LGBTQIA+, we're not letting you in. It is a whole situation. Black folk, we're not letting you in unless you function like this. White folks, not. Republican, Democrat, we're not letting you in. Why is that? Are you not on the same mat? If, if Phil Jackson is not close to Christ, I'm a few 24 hours away from jacking you. I know Phil Jackson. Didn't you just preach? Yeah, but give me your car. Give me your car right now, right now. I know Phil Jackson. So I got to stay close to Christ. I got to stay close to recognize this mat, this mat. I can't just throw the mat away like I'm done. I'm perfect and I'm straight. Nah, I'm on the mat every day. Recognizing that fact that didn't stop these men. We would have, oh, you ain't going to let us in. <laughs> I know where you live. I know where you live. Reggie, come Reggie. You ain't going to let me in. Okay, okay. I ain't picking your daughter up from school no more. No more, Reggie. Done. Done. Just, you with me with the humanity of all that? They're carrying this boy probably a mile, maybe a half a mile, and now they won't let you in? They didn't stop right there. Phil Jackson may have stopped. Oh, no, we're going to wait outside. I got some for all of y'all. Come out this, walk, come out this house. You'll be so religious. And all, oh, watch this. Watch this. <laughs> I'm going too far. I'm going too far. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. They did not stop. They carried, Christ, carried their friend up the stairs. And all these stairs were the side of the house. Now, you ever try to carry something, a refrigerator with two people? You try to carry another person up some stairs that's going, so the person doesn't slide down? You imagine the intentionality of that. Okay, all right, you, all right, you got him. Okay, you got him. Okay, stop. stop. Okay, lift. I lift, lift. And look at the kind of roof that was on there. Look at the type of roof that was on there that they actually would put him on. This kind of roof like this. They're trying to put him on a roof like this. So they're going up the stairs and they get him probably, okay, 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 you got it, I got it, okay. Uh, okay, get up underneath, get up underneath so he don't slide. So they, that intentionality because of the care they had for him because they were on the mat too. I need people to care about me like that. So there are two types of people sometimes in this challenging situation of life. There are people who build walls to keep people out. And there are people who build walls to see who's going to bust through them. I am the kind of person to build walls to see if you're going to bust through. I don't know why. I talk to a counselor. I need to talk to another counselor. Uh, uh, but I build them. And, and I ask my wife, keep asking me questions. I'm not going to tell you nothing. Because whatever I'm dealing with, I can't tell you right now. I don't know if it's shame. I don't know what it is. And she'll keep asking, and she'll keep asking, and she'll keep asking. And I've made a commitment. I can't fuss at you. <laughs> Stop asking me questions. I can't fuss at you because I gave you, I want you to have that permission to keep, because gradually I'll be like, man, baby, look at Are you that kind of committed follower of Christ? They were intentional of finding a way to get their boy on the roof. Lift. Okay, cool, cool. Lift. Okay, step, step up. Just step up. No, you don't step back, 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 back. Quit. Hold on, man. Talking to him. They slide him on the roof. Slide him on. Then they had to take a break. <sighs> oh, you're heavy. Oh, my goodness. But they could have had two people taking him up and then other people tearing the roof up. As they get up to the top of the roof, they start tearing the roof apart. Now, just imagine you're in the house. You're in the house. And you're there. Oh, man, praise the Lord. Oh, my gosh. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Teach, Jesus. Teach. And here comes some roof droppings on your head, roof dropping, just coming on your head, just busting it down, just coming down, you, um, and you know what you're gonna think, oh, it's flippity floppity, bingity bobbity, floppity, and you might say, this house ratchet, this house ratchet, what did they do? I knew, uh-uh, they, they said, these mugs can't get their house together, what they on, what, this, I knew I shouldn't have came and did 
I'm just being human with you of what we might have said in this building. I got here early and now a roof busting on my head. And while they were doing it, while they were doing their thing, they were saying, the roof, the roof, the roof be busting. We don't need no, let the roof keep busting. <laughs> they were busting this roof down and they were moving things out of the way. In enough space on the roof to bring a man on a mat, not a man harnessed with some other coils and just dropping him down there. But they had to get the court. You see the intentionality? I'm going this extra uh, agitated kind of breakdown because of the intentionality of pursuing that reality of we needing each other. We over me. And the reality of them taking some cable on one side, cable on one side. Maybe they were fishermen. Maybe they went to Home Depot. I'm going to make a run to so-and-so house. He got some rope. I'm going to grab something and bring it back. Whatever they had to do, they came back, moved the roof, tied, and they're bringing him down to Christ. The people in the house, I think they felt salty. We should have probably let them in. Then <laughs> the owner found out that they didn't let them in. Wait a minute, you could have let them in? Oh, heck, you're about to help me fix this roof. Just, just imagine all of that happening, right? Very intentional, very purposeful, because they recognize we need Jesus as much as you do. And we're going to bring you here because we need Christ as well. Watch this little video clip of a young man who serves with us in our ministry I've known over 10 years and his testimony of being a roof buster now himself. Hello, my name is Jaquan Whittington. Um, I'm known as Quay throughout the neighborhood. Um, and I'm just going to share with you my story. Um, I'm from the North Lundell community and I had a few bruises in growing up and it wasn't the best, you know, it was kind of a struggle. Um, I did some things that I'm not so proud of. I've been incarcerated and I had some people to walk through it with me who like never gave up and stuck, stuck alongside of me. The firehouse, Pastor Phil, which is my mentor, those guys like grabbed me and never gave up even though I went back to jail a couple times during my um, journey with the firehouse. They never gave up. They sent um, lawyers for me all type of things, so I'm very appreciative of that. And they actually never, uh, they, they, they gave me a, another chance by letting me be a part of the program and now I'm on staff to where I, I, I learned that I, I got a passion for what they gave, what they gave to me. Um, I'm a full-time navigator. Um, I'm actually pouring into the guys as much as Pastor Field pouring to me. I'm trying to help my community and um, right some of the wrongs that I did in the community. Um, I work full time walking with these guys and just being there for them and helping them the same way Pastor Phil and them did for me. So what do it mean for you for people to come after you? Like in your journey of stuff going on the stuff on the streets and you know, back and forth with jail. What does it mean for you as a young guy um, when people came after you? I mean, uh, it, meant, it, it meant the world to me now that I think about it because a lot of young guys don't, don't have the, the type of people come after them like you guys came after me. So that's why I'm, I'm really happy that I'm a part of this staff and I can come after guys because I, I kind of know who, who needs to be come at, came after, you know? Right, right. Because you see the mindset yeah. of the mindset that you had. Sure, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Was there ever a time when you said, I'm tired of y'all coming after me? Like, 
quit calling me. Was there something where it was like you know that you, you know that? But but I'm, I'm happy you guys were consistent and you stayed like in, in touch and, and in contact with with me and kind of you, you gave me a more discipline with calling me and staying on me. You know, you're coming after other people, right? What's your motivation? I mean, you said a little bit about it, but like just think about a little bit a little bit uh, deeper now because. They, they always want you to come after them. They, they got some pushback too. So what's your motivation to continue on and keep coming after them? Just remembering my journey mm. and how I how I bucked and rebelled against you guys as well. And I, I wasn't ready or I might not have been comfortable, but just gotta just gotta keep going, you know? Mm. Even the challenges you may face in handling them, you say that journey that you came from motivates you to continue to to press through. For sure. Right, because you you were in the same place as they were. I, I, I've been there, I've been there once upon a time, so right. I, I know exactly how they feel, mm -hmm. you know? Right, you know the mindset. For sure. And you know the other side of that mindset, too. Yeah, for And sure. what, what the benefits are of that. Quay Jaquan is, is Jaquan. a roof buster. Recognizing folks bust down the roof to grab him, and then recognizing the fact that, yo, I have a passion for this same. Who would have known that we would hire him and be this phenomenal uh, navigator, professional mentor for other peers that he used to run with on the street? Who knew that that was going to be a passion of his? But if we would have gave up on him after the first time, second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, tenth time, we would have never seen this, what the glory of God is doing in his life in that way. So it is with you and I as we serve other folks and bust roof down to go after them, to bring them to Christ as others done for us. And we still need that to happen. Who knows what revelation may take place in their life? They bring him down. He's in front of Jesus. They looking down. Maybe something, maybe we gotta go down, we gotta, we gotta, I and mean, they're not gonna let us in. No, we, let's watch from here, we got a good view, right? They watching from here. Christ says, my child, your sins are forgiven at the end of five. He says, my child, not paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. He identifies with who he really is. Opposite of what had been named to him beforehand. Opposite of what other people had called him. Opposite of the rejection he had had all of his life. Yo, you my boy, your sins are forgiven. And Christ speaks that life into him as he's coming down or as he's down. And then he says, because of their faith. Yo, you see what's missing when we flinch at busting the roof down. When we flinch at not recognizing we're on the same mat as everybody else. When we flinch at that, our faith enacts and, track and triggers another transformation to happen in someone else's life. Borrowing your faith, borrowing your commitment, even if you don't know what you're doing. Even if you don't know every Bible verse, that don't even matter. Your presence, your love through Christ will enact that. Christ says, your sins are forgiven. And then in verse 6 through 12, he says, he says, but some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he, he asked him, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So to prove that I have, that to, to, so to prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, get your mat, and go home. Now watch this. Watch this. If you knew that Jesus come walking up to you and be like, I know what you said. I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to question. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I didn't even say nothing. The man knew what I was talking about him. Hey, you know what? Hey, you're good. Keep, 
That should have been enough, but they still had a stank attitude, right? He says, I know what you're saying in your hearts, but here's the question. Is it easier to forgive or easier to heal? Knowing that God can only forgive is what their issues were, right? Christ uses a phrase that he says over 83 times, 73 times in the New Testament, the Son of Man. Christ never had to defend his humanity. We saw him using the bathroom in the, by a tree. We saw real human stuff happening, right? We recognized he had to wash his clothes. We recognized he had a stomachache. He never had to prove his humanity, but he always had to defend and affirm his deity. So he uses this phrase, the Son of Man, quoting a passage in Daniel chapter 7. And in that passage of Daniel chapter 7, you know what it says? It says, the Son of Man will come with all authority, all glory, all power, and everyone will come to him and, and honor him and glorify him. It is a passage that says, the Messiah, a Son of Man, will come. He's saying that, throwing back to the fact, oh, you don't think that I have the power to forgive, so the Son of Man, he, he gives a definitive and says who he is, the Son of Man, knowing what they knew about the Daniel passage, him claiming to be the Messiah. In the hood, we got a phrase called sneak dissing. Sneak dissing, right? Sneak dissing is saying, well, you know how my nephew is. You ain't said nothing. You just sneak dissing about your nephew. We do it in church all the time. I need you to pray for um, those folks at the, at the 7-Eleven. You just sneak dissing everybody at the 7-Eleven. You ain't really care about them. So Jesus indirectly does a sneak this back on the teachers. Y'all know I'm the Messiah. Watch this. The Son of Man. Oh, wait a minute. He called Daniel, which is, the, which is a passage about the Messiah. And what's so unique about that passage is that Christ spoke in Arabic. And in that passage, the Daniel is the only passage where Arabic is even written. Old Testament written in Hebrew, except for that passage right there. Ooh. <laughs> he is saying, yo, I'm that dude. I am the Messiah. Not only can I forgive, but I can also heal. And to prove to you that I can forgive, get your things, fool, and go. Fool is an endearing term in the hood. So, fool, get your stuff. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What's easier, to forgive or to heal? To me, you could easily say to forgive because nobody knows what the transaction might have been, what the person's mindset would have been. But to Christ, to forgive, I mean, he got to go to the cross means he has to die to honor and, and solidify that forgiveness. So Christ can heal by touching his garment. He boss, a boss at healing. Spit in your face and heal your eyes. He's boss at healing. But to forgive, he's going to have to lay down his life. So which is easier for him is healing. But the cross is what he had to face. This is what they experienced right there. This Messiah, only the fact I'm the Messiah and I can forgive and I can heal. Get your stuff and walk. And the scriptures say, the scriptures say, and the man jumped up. He ain't never jumped in his whole entire life, right? Grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we ain't never seen like this, nothing like this before, right? And to think that they could have missed seeing that before because they were too stubborn, too paralyzed in their own thinking to let them come through. Yo, Christ would do all that he would do to get your attention to how crazy in love he is with you. He will use people you never thought you would even like or connect with to bring you to. You see, there are days in which I need to be carried. There are days in which 
I'm carrying other people. I don't want you to get it twisted like we have to be super Christians. I'm just saying being real and vulnerable in your own self. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm not doing so good. And if you really care, I can talk to you about it. Being open in the fact that maybe this person could carry you to the cross, could carry you to Christ for that healing. Or maybe some days you'll be the one carrying. Some days we need to lean into God and ask for that forgiveness. And some of the days we are the ones bringing the hope that's there. But all of that causes people to say, we ain't never seen it like this before. You care that much to spend six billion? You care that much to call this person every day? You care that much to go by this person's house? You care that much to knock on their door? What I want to let you know is that in Christ, there is a, there is hope. There is hope in Christ. And the men who bust the roof down knew that because they needed that hope themselves on the mat. There's a story about a man who was a champion chess player. Won all kind of champion chess matches. Was in Europe playing a champion chess game. Took a break for about three hours before the final game. And he goes to these different museums and he's looking around and he goes to this one particular painting he sees at the museum and it's a chess match. And the name of the chess uh, the painting was called Checkmate. And he's sitting there and he's looking at this painting. And he sees on one side a man who was nervous, sweating, bleeding, scared to death, just shaking. He sees another person on the other side, which was the devil, leaning back in a chair with a big cigar like, I got you, I got you, checkmate. But the man sat in front of this painting as a championship chess player and saw this match. And two hours in, he stood up and shouted and said, yo, you got one more move left. If I could get in that painting and let you know, you got one more move left. If I could tell you here today, Soul City, you got one more move left. And that move is to trust in the person of Jesus Christ as the Messiah in his death, burial, and resurrection. And in so doing, that life journey will cause you to win, cause you to connect, will cause you to grow, will cause you to be healed. And we as followers of Christ can be instruments of God as we recognize that he is our move to bring healing to others. Fellowship of the mat. As you leave today, I want you to recognize if you don't recognize that you're on the mat, if you don't recognize that you're a roof buster, who will? Who will? Commit today to recognizing Christ as your Lord and Savior. Commit today to being used by Christ as your Lord and Savior. To do and to go whatever extreme Christ would have you to go to. To be that salt and light to bust a roof down, to not take issues by other people holding you back, to bring people to Christ in whatever way that looks so that we can be the people God called us to be. Let us pray. Father, we come now for you, before you thanking you for the fact that you busted down a roof from heaven to earth and came to us. Nobody in their right mind would leave heaven to come down here to Ratchetville you did, and you lived with us, you hung with us, you dealt with us, you ate with us, you partied with us because you knew that we're on the mat. We may be not physically paralyzed, but got our minds maybe, our attitudes maybe, our, our hearts maybe. We're just stuck maybe in a certain spot we can't move from. Let this service, let the worship, let the, let the word spark us to recognize, God, you are busting the roof. You are busting down any obstacle. 
so your love will not be denied. We praise you and thank you and look forward to, God, the fact that you carry and we carry, and God, we also need to be carried at the same time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.